It's a beautiful fall day in 1981, and I'm standing on a bridge in Ithaca, New York, overlooking Fall Creek Gorge. I'm in my freshman year of college at Cornell on my way home from a job off campus, and I don't think I can make it to the other side of the bridge. I'm in the process of leaving the religious cult in which I was raised, and dying is a better, easier option. I describe my childhood like this. The best seats I ever had at Madison Square Garden were at my mother's wedding, and the best cocaine I ever had was for my father's friend, the judge. My mom was married to my stepfather in a mass wedding along with 2,074 other couples. I grew up in the Unification Church, the Moonies, the cult of all cults in the American age of cults. On the other hand, while I was a Mooney and fully knew Reverend Sun Young Moon as my Messiah, I lived with my father in a life of drugs, sex, and squalor in New York City's East Village. Long, long, long story short, my parents met when they were in high school, my mom got pregnant, they got married, had my brother Robbie when they were 19, me when they were 20, and separated about two or three years after that. We lived with my mom, and then the summer between second and third grade, my mom bought a van for my dad because we were going to drive across country to California to move on to a commune. Only my mom's mom got diagnosed with cancer, so instead we moved across the state of New Jersey and lived with my grandparents. My grandmother died and we stayed. My mom took care of my grandfather in the house and he supported us. Then in January 1974, my mom's friend, with whom she had hitchhiked across country every summer, called my mom and said, you need to go hear Reverend Samya Moon speak. My mom went and came home a changed person. This is amazing. He's amazing. Jesus wasn't supposed to die. This is incredible. But not a lot happened. And then within a couple of months, members of the church convinced my mom to go up to Barrytown, New York for a weekend where they indoctrinated a lot of people. She goes up for the weekend and she comes back and she goes back up for another week and comes back and goes back up for another week. And basically, my mom spent the summer in Barrytown. And then one weekend, she took Robbie and me, and we drove up. We come to this huge building. We go into this big gymnasium, and all the women, all the sisters are sitting on the floor on the right side of the room. And all the men, the brothers are sitting on the floor on the left side of the room. And within moments, Moon walks in with his interpreter, and he starts speaking. And that was it. We were in. He was my Messiah. And so life goes on. We're still living with my grandfather outside of New York City. And we just go into the city, into the church centers whenever we could, more and more, every weekend. And then my mom starts going in even more, most days during the week, all days during the week. She goes on the first train in the morning, comes home on the last train at night, and then starts spending nights there. And then in January of 1975, she sits us down. And she says, I I really feel like I'm called to be there more. What do you two think I should do? And we say, go, leave. You should leave. And and so she does. Uh, She moves into New York City into a church center, ironically, to help run the International Family Association, which is the group for members who have kids and can't move into the church. So my mom moves in. And then everything becomes my responsibility, the shopping, the cooking, the cleaning. I'm 11 years old in sixth grade, and I'm taking care of everything. And we somehow know not to tell anybody what's going on. Now, my grandfather, he was a judge. And so when my grandmother died, he got depressed, and he stopped practicing some of his cases for his clients. And then when my mom left, he got more depressed and really stopped practicing his cases. And then he got disbarred and got even more depressed. And apparently the police were circling the block on a suicide watch. And 
I knew none of this. I knew I had no idea any of this was going on. And then he was supposed to go to court and maybe to jail for not practicing the cases. And uh, instead, his doctor admitted him to the local psychiatric ward. And Robbie and I were pulled out of school and shuffled around for a couple of weeks to different people's houses, friends of my grandfather's. They went back to get my mom. They went into New York City to go up my mom. And she said, not my problem and didn't come back. And finally, my dad found out what was going on and he came and got us and he moved us into New York City, life of sex, drugs and squalor to live with him. And so my weekdays are with my dad, my weekends, every holiday, every moment, every summer vacation. I'm at the church. I'm with my mom at the church when my mom moves far away. I'm still at a church center. It is my life. He is my Messiah. I believe it is puritanical. It is a very strict religious cult. And I'm living with Satan on my dad on the weekends. And this just continues for years, um, all the way through junior high school and high school. And then the summer between my junior and senior year of high school, my dad sends me to music camp. And to this day, I'm convinced that um, it was to keep me away from the church because, again, I was always there and he hated it and he never never spent money he spent money on drugs and at that point baroque recorders but not on not on us so he sends me to music camp and for i become friends with people who for the first time to me known to me were gay and or bisexual which is a huge sin in my cult and so i write my mom and i say i love these people what do i do and she says they're evil they're sinful stay away from them or you can convert them. And for the first time, it doesn't make sense. I don't agree. And you have to understand that we were taught that if you ever question anything, it's Satan in your brain trying to win you back from God, right? And God's heart has been broken for thousands of years. And your job is to take care of God and not break your, his, God's heart, right? And so here, if I'm questioning, it's Satan inside me making me wonder what I should do. So I start to get a little bit tormented. And I come home from music camp. So I'm not only a member of the church, but I happen to be best friends with Reverend Moon's kids, with his second oldest daughter. And Moon's children are called true children. They're the true children because they're the children of the Messiah. And then there are blessed children. Blessed children are those kids who are born to the couples who are in those huge mass weddings. Those are called blessings. And in a blessing, your original sin is removed and you have blessed children and they have no original sin. So they're very special. So I'm friends with the true children and some blessed children. And then there's really sinful, awful me. And I come home from music camp. And while I was gone, one of my friends, my six-year-old friend, a blessed child, was seduced by our Sunday school teacher. And she's having an affair with him. And in order to like not let anybody notice that, she spreads rumors about me. She basically says, I want to sleep with all the men, all the brothers. And so Moon hears these rumors, believes these rumors, and makes a decree that only the blessed children can play with the true children in order to keep me away from his daughter. I like to say my Messiah banished me. So I'm going to my senior year of high school, knowing that Satan is in me because I'm questioning, knowing that the Messiah must know that Satan's in me because he's banished me. And I think, okay, you joined, I was 10 when my mom joined. You joined when you were 10 You were a child. You never actually joined. You just followed. So now you need to pull back a little bit. 
experience life on the outside so that you can come in wholeheartedly, never question again and commit your life to the Messiah. And that is my intention. So I pull back a little bit. I spend some weekends at home with my dad. I get more involved with friends in my school and I find more love and acceptance there than in my church, which is supposedly about unconditional love. And I get more and more confused and I start experimenting with alcohol and I throw a party for my best friend and a boy is there and I'm drunk and he kisses me and I kiss him back. And then I have a boyfriend, which is the hugest sin. The fall of man is premarital sex. All hell breaks loose. My mom locks me up at the New Yorker hotel and yells at me and takes me up to Barrytown and people stop me on street corners and everyone is terrified I'm going to fall and I'm going to fail and I'm going to break God's heart and I'm going to sin and leave the church. And so the summer goes on this way. And then at the end of the summer, I go off to school at Cornell. My boyfriend stays in New York City and I decide that I will break up with him. And I will stop and I will go back to the Messiah and go back to where I need to be. But I don't. And I become more and more tormented, more and more wrecked. I'm leaving the Messiah. I'm letting God down. I'm failing. I'm sinful. I'm breaking God's heart. Which brings me to the day on the bridge. When the only thing that makes sense at that time is to jump. It's better than deciding. It's better, it's better to die a physical death than to die a spiritual death and disappoint God. But I don't. <laughs> Clearly, I don't. I somehow make it back to my dorm, and I try to figure out how to leave the church. I don't even know what leaving means. It takes me a very, very long time. My freshman year, there's that moment on the bridge. My sophomore year, I become hugely anorexic. My junior year, I do a hell of a lot of cocaine, including with the judge. And my senior year, I get involved in really destructive, abusive relationships. And that continues after college until I finally get engaged to someone who drinks a hell of a lot and is really mean to me when he drinks. And someone points me in the direction of Al-Anon, that 12-step program for those of us clinging to the alcoholic. And that's the starting point, I guess, of my healing journey. But that moment on the bridge, when I only wanted to die and somehow choosing not to die, that was the beginning of an ending and a new beginning for me. Again, it would take me ages to leave and ages after that to realize how broken I was from all of it. And ages after that, and still to heal from everything that happened. But that moment, that was the first time when I chose me. And that was the moment that changed my life.